How are we? See, the Blakeleys here on the front row. Welcome. Good to have you with us this morning. You guys want to give them a warm welcome? Glad you're here. Um, if you got your Bibles with you this morning, and I hope you do, um, or your Bible on phone or, or pad, whatever you use, we're going to be looking at, we're in a series uh, in uh, Psalm 103, uh, and before, we, before I read the scripture, I just want to pray again and ask the Lord's blessing upon the word, so if you would just join me, you know, as we think about just coming into God's presence, um, we know that uh, he is a, a holy God, a righteous God, uh, just and, and true are all his ways, uh, Isaiah chapter 59 says that, you know, the Lord is not deaf that he can't hear us. It's not that he's not concerned about us, but sometimes our sins separate us from God. And this morning, I just want us to take a moment, and you take a moment. David said in Psalm 139, search me, O Lord, and try me. He was talking about searching his heart and see if there's any wicked way in me. And I like the Lord to just daily just do that, just kind of keep short accounts with the Lord. Father, if I sinned against you today and something that I've said or something that I've done or something that I didn't do or in my thought life, Lord, and where I have, Father, I just ask that you would just forgive me, that you would cleanse me of my sin and all unrighteousness, as your word says, that you are faithful and just to forgive my sins and and to cleanse me, Lord. We thank you for that. We thank you for that this morning as we just meditate on our lives. And this last week, maybe there's been an occasion in your life this week, this last week where something went wrong or you had an encounter with someone that didn't go right. And uh, you just want to just ask the Lord to forgive you. You know, the Word of God says that as much as lies within you, live, live peaceably with all men. And so when you do your part, really the ball is in their court, and that's between them and God. Amen? Amen. All right. So um, Psalm 103, and I, as I mentioned last week, I just kind of studying the psalm and kind of as I was going back and just looking at uh, um, all the information I could gather on this, I came across a series by Robert Morris from Gateway Church, and it just said everything that I wanted to say. So I thought, you know, let's just stop right here. We can camp here. But the psalmist says here, he says, Psalm 103, it's been, I'll share just a little more, bit more in depth uh, later on in the service why these scriptures have such meaning to me. But uh, he says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. And then he speaks about the five benefits. He says that you, Lord, forgive all of my iniquities. And remember, we talked about that last week. We talked about iniquities and trespasses and sin and the difference between them that are sin. We used the football analogy. Remember that sin was kind of like, you know, jumping off sides. You didn't really mean to. The Bible says that our sin is like, you know, missing the mark, that God has a standard, and, and many times we aim for that standard, we miss the standard. And that our, uh, our transgressions or our iniquities are, it's just kind of an inward bent, you know, that uh, 
you know, I, how many times have you ever heard somebody say, I don't want to grow up like my father, or I don't want to grow up like my mother, and they end up exactly growing up like their, their mother and their father? You know, there's just kind of like an inward bent there that, you know, it could be toward anger, it could be lust, it could be an alcoholic or drugs in the family, and you say, I don't want to be like that, and you end up, you know, being like that. That's iniquity. That's iniquity in, in, the, in the heart. And then transgression, and we said that iniquity was like trash talking, like football players getting in the grill of each other and kind of trash talking. And then transgression was more like a personal foul. It was like, you know, uh, you know I know that I shouldn't go back and, and body slam the quarterback, but I'm going to do it anyway because the guy's made me mad. And, you know, that we do the same thing. It's like God tells us in his word what he expects us to do and not to do. And we just kind of like shake our fist defiantly in God's face and say, God, I don't care what your word says. I'm doing this anyway. And so that was the difference between, you know, the, the sin, iniquity, and transgression. And then he says here, he says, who forgives all of your iniquity. And notice this, and I'll, I'll come back and point this out again, that this is all in the same sentence. He forgives all of our iniquities and heals all of our diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your strength is renewed like that of the eagles. That's uh, Psalm 103. And so... I, I want to just, I want to talk about healing today, and boy, it's just kind of interesting, and you'll find out later on, you know, why this is uh, uh, just an interesting Sunday for me, um, but we pick up in uh, Jesus' first, this is his first message from the, according to Luke's gospel, uh, he's been tempted by the devil for 40 days, he comes into the synagogue, it says the synagogue where, you know, where he was raised in Nazareth, and uh, it says that uh, he went to the synagogue um, and where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood there to read, and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it had been written, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. That means that when that's, that's talking about salvation, when, when you hear, we hear when he preaches the gospel to the poor, it's talking about those that are not, you know, financially poor, but those that are poor in spirit, those that are financially or uh, spiritually bankrupt, those that just, you know, have tried everything, every religion, and just none, none of them seem to work or satisfy. But Jesus said, I'm the bread of heaven. If you eat of me, you won't hunger anymore. I'm the living water. If any man drinks from me, you won't thirst anymore. So he's talking about satisfying that spiritual hunger and thirst that each of us have. And um, so he says that, that God has anointed him to preach the gospel to the poor. That's talking about our salvation or getting saved. He has sent me to the brokenhearted. It's talking about getting healed. To talk about, uh, to proclaim the liberty, uh, to set the captives uh, free. That's talking about our freedom. As Jocelyn was just sharing, you know, that you know, with, when, you, when you're bound by unforgiveness, uh, you know, you're, you're in bondage. And you can't, you can't fulfill what God really wants you to do in your life. You can't fulfill God's purpose in your life if you're not healed in this area. Uh, he talks about recovering a sight to the blind. Um, that would be, again, healing. He goes back and deals with that again. And to set at liberty those that are oppressed. Um, and that's talking about healing and, and being set free again. How many of you guys really believe in miracles in here? You know, I, I do too. Uh, and I just want to point out one uh, you know, I, I have hoped for this for a really long time that I could start at a quarter to 11 and I could really have an hour and 15 minutes to preach because I'm usually done by 12 o'clock. So it's a miracle this morning that, you know, that I got an hour and 15 minutes to preach. 
Now all of you are looking at your watches and saying, wait a second. All right. So when we talk about this word, um, this word of being healed, how God is speaking to us about, you know, setting us free and, and, and healing us, there's a word, there's a Greek word that's called sozo, uh, and it's uh, spelled uh, S-O-Z-O, but it's, uh, in the English, we'd almost spell it like S-O-D, so-so, and it means to be, let me give you some of the definitions of it. It means to be saved, to be kept safe and sound, to be rescued from danger or destruction, uh, to save uh, one that is suffering from perishing uh, from a disease, to make well, to be healed, to restore health. And so what it's talking about is talking about being healed in your body and your soul and your spirit. Okay, that's complete healing. Okay, and so we see many people that are walking around that are saved, and they, you know, their spirit is saved. They, you can't get any more saved than you are right now. I mean, if you're saved, you're saved, okay? You're not going to be any more saved tomorrow than you are today if you're saved. That's not going to change. And so, but our, our bodies are, are being, you know, our, our bodies will be saved, uh, you know, in, in the future, God says that he's going to res, uh, raise us up with a new resurrected body, and you'll have a body that will live forever, that will not uh, be affected by sickness or disease, and your soul, and uh, again, this is what Jocelyn was talking about, you know, is being saved. The Bible says from glory to glory, and I'll repeat myself on some of this, but from glory to glory, he's changing us, that you are different today than you were last week and last month, and you know, if you've been a Christian for you know, for 10 or 15 or 20 years, you better be different today than you were 10 or 15 or 20 years ago. Uh, if you're not, then there's something wrong. Something is not clicking. And that's what, you know, the term being born again means, that you get saved, and then God starts this transformation process in your life. And where you used to be bitter and angry, like she explained that she was, uh, had uh, held unforgiveness in her life, that... Um, you know, that God is beginning to, you know, starting to change her and making her whole. And so uh, that is the word uh, sozo, a great word. Everybody say it, sozo, sozo. All right, and that's what we want. We want to be healed in our body, in our soul, and in our spirit. And so when we talk about that, when, when he, uh, the psalmist says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name, Bless the Lord, all my soul, and forget not his benefits, who forgives all of your iniquities and heals all, he, he heals all of your diseases. Now, how many of you believe that God forgives all of your iniquities? How many of you believe that? Okay. And how many of you believe that God heals all of your diseases? Uh, okay, you know, I, amen. I'm, I'm with you on it. I, I, that's what I believe. That's what the Word of God says. You know, if, if the Word of God says it, I believe it. All right, so I want to just share with you just a, a, a moment about what the Bible says about uh, physical healing, some scriptures on physical healing, because you can't get away from it. It says uh, in, uh, this is in Exodus chapter 15, verse 26, it says, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord, that means to listen to and to obey the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments and keep his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you which I brought against the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. I love that 
passage of scriptures because that is a great illustration when, when we see all the plagues that are coming up on Egypt, but it says over in Israel when it was hailing and destroy, destroying all of the Egyptians' crops, um, you know, it says there wasn't any hail over in, in Goshen, right? There was no hail, there was no hail there. Am I, am I right? I got the city right? Is it Goshen? <laughs> all right. And it says that when there was darkness in all over Egypt, you know, there was light in the land of Goshen. So, so God, you know, God treats his people a little bit different than those that are being disobedient to him. And so he says here, he says, I will put none of the diseases on you, which I have brought on you uh, or brought on the Egyptians, for I'm the Lord, your God, who heals you. And how that translates, all right, this is one of those times where he's using his name to describe not only who he is, but also what he does, okay? So it translates this way. I am Jehovah, Jehovah Rapha, and it means the Lord who heals. Other times he uses this name. He uses the uh, Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. The banner is my banner of protection. I'm, you know, I'm, we talked about the storm shelter, how, you know, when you're with God that you come in to his shelter, uh, and I think it's Psalm, is it Psalm 90 or 91 that talks about that he abides under the shadow of the Almighty, you know, that you're protected from these things. You don't have to be a, afraid of the arrow that flies by day or the pestilence that stalks by night because God is with you. And then he says uh, again uh, he, that he is Jehovah Shema, the God that is there, that he is always there. He says he'll never leave us nor forsake us. He is Jehovah Jireh. Again, he's using a, a name to describe himself but not only describing himself, but talking about who he is. He's saying, I am the Lord that will provide. And then he says, and it goes on and on, there are quite a few more, and I'll just stop with this one right here, uh, that he is Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. And, you know, sometimes that you can be in the middle of such a storm, and you're going through it with such peace, without anxiety, without worry or fear, and God just seems to just overshadow you with his peace. And then he says again in Exodus of, of 15, 26, I am the Lord, I am the Lord who heals you. Exodus chapter 23, it says, Worship the Lord your God, and his blessing will be upon your food and your water, and he will take away sickness from among you. So again, Old Testament scripture, you know, healing is not a New Testament concept. Um, and then we see in, uh, this is the uh, prayer of um, Hezekiah. Hezekiah got the word. See, a lot of times we try to spiritualize this, and when we talk about healing, we always try to equate it to, you know, spiritual healing. It's like God healed you spiritually. But this is not talking about a spiritual healing. This is talking about physical healing. And we understand from this story right here, Hezekiah got the word from the prophet Isaiah. The prophet comes to him and says, get your house in order because you are going to die. And Hezekiah began to weep, and he began to cry out. He began to talk to the Lord about all the things that he had done for the Lord. How, and he was a good king. He was a righteous king, one of the few righteous kings that ruled over Israel. But Hezekiah says this. He says, you restored health to me, and you let me live. Surely it was for my benefit that I suffered such anguish. He says, in your love you have kept me from the pit of destruction. He says, and you have put all my sins behind your back. And then he goes on to say, he says, the grave cannot praise you, and the dead cannot sing your praise, and those that go down into the pit cannot hope 
for your faithfulness. He says, the living. And you can just hear this. It's just kind of like this, like this crescendo, this momentum is building in Hezekiah's prayer as he's talking about that. He says, God, it's the living of the living that praise you as I am doing here today. And parents will tell their children about your faithfulness. Amen? And so, I mean, Hezekiah is like laying it on the line. And God comes back through the prophet and says, Okay, God has heard your prayer. He's heard the cry of your heart. He's going to extend your life. And the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4, he says, Surely, and you'll see this, I think I've got this on, this, on our overhead, Surely he has borne our griefs. And I put in parentheses there, uh, sicknesses. And I'll show you why in just a second. And he has carried our sorrows, and I put in parentheses there, infirmities. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4. And the reason I did that is because if you look at Matthew chapter 8, verse 16 and 17, uh, this is what's quoted there about this same scripture in Isaiah. It says that when evening had come, they brought to him many that were demon-possessed, and he cast out spirits with the word, and he healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Look that he himself took our infirmities and he bore our sicknesses, okay? And the word grief there is a Hebrew word that means uh, chloe or coli, um, and it means sickness. And that's the same word that was used in Deuteronomy ch uh, chapter 7, verse 15. The Lord will take away all of your, si all of your sickness, coli, uh, and will afflict none of you with these terrible diseases that, uh, from, e from Egypt. And then in Matthew chapter 4, it says about Jesus that he went about Galilee teaching in all of their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness. And now notice, this is the message, you know, that, you know, he sent his disciples out, three things that they were supposed to do. Preach the gospel, get people saved, all right? Uh, heal the sick, those that were physically sick, and set it, or set it free, those that had been taken captive by the enemy. So... Uh, you can't be whole unless you're walking whole in those three areas, in your, phys in your physical body, in your spiritual body, uh, in, your, uh, in your soul area, uh, in your emotions. you got to be free in every one of those areas, and that's what Jesus came to do. It says, and his fame went throughout all of Syria, beyond Israel, into Syria, and they brought to him all the sick people who were afflicted by various diseases, and torments, and those that were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, uh, and he healed them all. And, you know, listen, so we talked about Old Testament healing, we talked about New Testament healing, so how does that equate to today? Well, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, okay? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and so, I know that, uh, you know, one of the reasons that we have, I think as churches, you know, we have, I mean, there are some churches that believe that all of the miracles stopped when the apostles died, that all healing stopped then, there's no point in praying for healing because, you know, you're not going to get healed, there's just no point in it. And so, there are two extremes that we have to deal with today, that I see in the body of Christ today, and that is that God heals everyone and God heals no one. And I'm going to just tell you, neither one of those are true. There's got to be some kind of middle ground here. 
And the other uh, two extremes that, that we see today is that God can heal everyone, but he chooses to just do, uh, choose who uh, he will heal, and he chooses to heal a few people, you know, some but not all. And then the problem with that is that, you know, then we start blaming God. You know, God, how come you healed her sister, but you didn't heal my sister? Did you love her sister more than you loved my sister? Or how come you healed this person and you didn't heal this person over here? Does that mean that you loved this person more than you loved this person over here? And, you know, what that is, is blame. And then you have the other camp is that, that if God heals everybody and you didn't get healed, then the problem lies with you, that you just didn't have enough faith. You know, it's your fault that, they, that you didn't get healed. And so then you start looking at yourself and you start thinking, well, you know, why didn't I get healed? You know, maybe God's mad at me. Maybe God's upset with me. So we start, you know, I mean, this, and, and, the, and the root of all of this goes back to the garden where there was blame and condemna condemnation and guilt. You know, I mean, Adam started it. You know, I mean, when, when he sinned, you know, he said, you know, Lord, what did he say? Lord, it was the woman. It was the woman that you gave to me. And, you know, she made me eat it. Uh, you know, and I mean, she was flashing her eyes at me, and she was dressed to the nines. And uh, it's going to take a few of you a while to get that one, okay? <laughs> uh, and it was just like, God, I couldn't resist. I just couldn't resist. I mean, the way she looked at me, uh, you know, I had to eat. And, and then Eve did the same thing. You know, she said, well, the, it was the devil that you put in the garden, God. You know, it, so we play this blame game. And so we're either blaming God or we're blaming ourselves. When something goes wrong in our life, you know, when you have a, a, a flat tire, you know, on the road, uh, you know, uh, you know and, or something goes wrong with your car, you think, well, I, I forgot to do my devotion this morning, or I didn't read enough, or I didn't pray enough, or, you know, maybe I didn't tithe enough, you know, last week. Uh, you know, it's my fault, you know. And so we start blaming ourselves, or, or we start blaming God. You know, God, are you upset with me? Or, you know, what's going on? So we do this blame game. And, you know, any time that blame is involved, the Bible says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren, okay? That he's the one that's always blaming. He, he will blame you to God. But remember a couple of weeks ago, we read out of the book of Zechariah when Satan was accusing Joshua the high priest, that the Lord said, and, and the, Satan was saying, look at him, look how filthy he is. I mean, this is the high priest of the nation, and, and look how wrong and how bad and how sinful he is. And God says, hey, I have chose to show mercy to him. And I want to tell you that God has chose to show, show mercy to you as well, right? So let me just ask you this. You know, we live, the, you know, the, the, the issue is, guys, that we live in a fallen world. And so I would just remember those two, those two words are in the same verse, that God will heal all of your, uh, or all of your uh, iniquities, talking about our sin, and God will also heal all of your diseases. So let me just ask you this. Since you become born again, have, has any of you ever sinned since you become born again? Okay. So, but wait a second, I thought God healed all your iniquities. So we live in a fallen world, okay? And the same is true. That verse is the same verse that, you know, in Psalm uh, 103, that God heals all of our diseases. 
you know, that some of you have had sicknesses and diseases that you've got over. You've been healed. It's just this up and down. You've had the same way with your sin life. You're, you know, you overcome sins, and then all of a sudden you realize that there's another area in your life that you need to work on, another sinful area that, that God makes you aware of. I believe that God, if God were to show us all of, all of our sins and all of our problems at once, I mean, we, it would just be overload for us. We couldn't handle it. But he shows us in his grace, he shows us just one, one at a time. And, um, you know, and, and so we, we, the bottom line is, guys, that we are never going to be pro- perfect on this side of eternity. Once we enter in, you will have a perfect body. You will have a perfect spirit. You will have a perfect soul. You will have any of these things you won't have to deal with. But one, because we live in this fallen world, because sin is in this world and evil is in this world, it's just a part of what we have to deal with, okay? And God is merciful. And, you know, uh, I'm, as I continue to read on, let me just read a couple of more uh, scriptures here to you. In James chapter 5, verse 14, and uh, James, this is the brother, half-brother of Jesus, and one of the elders of the church in Jerusalem He was part of the Jerusalem council that met in the book of Acts. It says, and he writes, and he says, Is anyone sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. I'm going to tell you that I've I've been a part of that. I was asking Nina for this uh, last night. We didn't have a copy of it. But um, just many, many years ago, um, her dad was in in a supermarket, Nick, some of you knew him, and uh, he had a stroke in the market, and um, his uh, wife, Rita, called us and uh, asked us to come to the hospital, and I got uh, uh, some, of the, some of our elders, Jim Noble was there, uh, Don Aker was there, and I can't remember, uh, I'm not sure, there was one or two others that were there, and uh, he was lying in the, uh, in the emergency room, lying on a table, and uh, we went in, he was completely paralyzed on his right side, and he couldn't speak. And so we just went in, we took some oil, anointed him with oil, uh, we prayed over him, the doctors and nurses are kind of like in the background, kind of like watching, and I want to tell you, as soon as we said amen, he reached with his paralyzed arm and a hand extended to us to shake our hands and said, thank you. Couldn't speak, couldn't speak couldn't move the right side of his body. Um, another occasion, about the same time, a, a good friend of mine um, called me and told me that he had, uh, he had been gone to the hospital for a sprained ankle, and for some reason, they ended up drawing some blood, and um, they didn't like what they saw in the blood work, so they drew some more. The bottom line is he had leukemia. And so, I mean, it's just, just like that's a death sentence, okay? I mean, you hear that, it's like, man, you know, just, you know, buy a, a, a cemetery lot and, uh, you know, get ready. Um, but one of the, there's another guy in the church, just, a, I mean, he wasn't even in leadership. He just came to me and he said, Ron, he says, and his name was Ron as well. He says, I believe that the Lord showed me that if you and I... And uh, Don Aker would fast and pray for three days that this guy's name was Pat, that was sick. He said, I believe that the Lord has shown me that if you guys, the three of us, would fast and pray for three days that he'd be healed. Um, that was about 40 years ago. And I, get, I got an email and a text yesterday from Pat. Uh, he's still alive. He's very healthy. You know, I mean, it's just the goodness, the goodness, the goodness of God. All right, so... 
I want to talk just a little bit about emotional healing uh, because I think to me that this is just as important as physical healing. Um, the Bible says that, uh, again, going back to Luke 4, what we had read earlier, that he sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to set at liberty those that are oppressed. And oppressed, remember we talked about uh, last week that he was wounded or pierced for our transgressions and that he was bruised and crushed. And we said the bruise was the inside. A bruise is like bleeding on the inside. When he was pierced and we was beaten on the outside, it was obvious. When we could see and those that were around him could see the results of the beating and the scourging that he took, he, that was all outwardly. But, you know, what was going on on the inside was hard to see. But he was bruised and he was crushed inwardly. His heart was broken because of what was going on, that he was despised and rejected. The Bible says by he was despised and rejected by men. And that he was a man of sorrow and that he was well acquainted with grief. That's why he can identify with what you're going through right now. If you're going through some sorrow or if you're going through some grief right now, it says that he can un totally understand, he can identify with what you're going through right now. But a bruise is an inward. It says that he came to set at liberty those that were oppressed and uh, those that have been bruised, those that have that inward bruising, that, you know, some, something that somebody said to you, past wounds that can hold you into bondage. You know, uh, I remember I had an aunt, to, uh, you know, I mean, when I was probably just about five years old, before I was even in school, and uh, she would come to stay with us. She never had anything good to say to me. I mean, she would always say, you're never going to amount to anything. You're never going to amount to anything. You'll never be any good. You're never going to amount to anything. I mean, it's a tough thing for a five-year-old kid to, to take, you know, you know, from, you know, from, from a, an adult. And so, I, you know, somehow I took that, you know, I, I mean, not in a bad way, but I tucked it inside, and I thought, you know, lady, you have no idea. I'm just going to show you. I'm going to show you. I, you know, I was determined, you know, that I would show her that, you know, that I would amount to something. And then by God's grace, you know, God has done an incredible work in my life. And, and um, you know, of course, I, I hold no uh, ill will toward her. But I just want to say to you that things that, you know, that, um, that people say to us can have an effect on our soul. They can be damaging to our soul. And the Bible says that Jesus came to set the captives free. Those that have been wounded and those that have been hurt by words uh, you know, I, I, I don't love you anymore. I want a divorce. I want out of this marriage. You'll never amount to anything. Um, you know, just, you know, all of us have suffered from some type of broken heart, whether it's in a relationship from a husband or a wife or a son or a daughter or a mother or a father. Something that somebody said to us has left a wound or a scar on our heart. And as long as you're carrying that, you can't be fully effective for the work of God. And that's what Jesus is saying. I want, I've come to, he says, go out and heal the sick, all right? And, um, you know, cast out, cast out demons. And, uh, you know, he said, this is what I want you to do. You know, just uh, preach the good news of the gospel, get people saved, and heal the sick and those that are broken and those that are bruised. You know, bring healing to them. Uh, you know, this is our message, and it hasn't changed. God, I mean, the, if he was here today and he, could, and he could say one sentence, he'd say, all right, I want you to all go out. I want you to, you know, preach the gospel of the kingdom, you know, get people saved, heal the sick, and those that are in bondage, I want you to set the captive free. That's what he'd say to you. It hasn't changed in 2,000 years. That's a message. 
That's the message. It was then and it is now. So all of us have had you know, some broken heart, uh, hearts, things that have gone on in our heart, uh, disappointments that we, you know, that we've, you know, a job that you thought you were going to get, a school that you thought you were going to go to, um, you know, just, a, you know, a marriage that you thought was going to work out that didn't work out. Uh, all of us have had incredible disappointments in our, in our life, and that's why we need to be made whole. We need the Greek word again, sozo. Sozo. You got it? Sozo. You got to take that home with you, okay? And so, um, you know, probably one of the best illustrations of what I'm talking about is from Psalm 137, and I'm going to kind of wrap this up. But he says that by the water, this is when the children of Israel had been taken captive, and they, they are captives in Babylon, all right? And he says that uh, by the waters of Babylon, there we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion. So they're in a place of captivity, but thinking about where they used to be when life was good. And some of you may be in that place today, in a place of captivity, but you're looking back to a place where life was good. And it says that on the willows there, we hung our lyres, or our, some of your translations may say harps. And there our captors, our tormentors, it says, required songs of us. Our tormentors uh, said, sing to us some of the songs of Zion. And they said, how can we sing of the Lord, or how can we sing the Lord's songs in a foreign land? And I want to tell you that when your soul is wounded and you are bruised, you don't feel like singing. You just don't feel like it. Uh, you know, some of the experiences some of you have been through, you know, uh, I, I, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna lay it out because you know, guys, I want, I know. I mean, I can see that some of you were sexually abused when you were young, and that is still holding on to you. And I remember I was, at, you know, uh, on Memorial Day, we were uh, visiting some friends and family, and uh, just sitting around the table, and just you know, uh, I just heard some of the people start talking about how life was as they were growing up. And, you know, as these young men were talking, I could see a guy that, you know, is now an alcoholic talking about the way that his father treated him. And I'm wondering, is there a connection between the alcoholism and the way that his father treated him? Is there a connection between the drugs that you're using today and some soul hurt or some soul wound that you have that you just haven't been healed in? Is there a connection? So we're real quick, to cho the church is real quick to point out, you know, you're a sinner, you're a drug addict, you're an alcoholic, you're a loser, you're this, you're that. You know, but is there something behind that? Is there something behind the reason that they're using drugs or alcohol or painkillers or, you know, even pornography or you can just, I mean, your sexual orientation or any of those things, is there a reason behind that? Is there something that happened to you in the past where you've been so wounded and so hurt that, you know, that that's why you're in the place that you're in today? And if we can get to the place as a church where we can say, you know what, I want to do the work of Jesus. I want to find out, you know, what needs to be healed in your life. And I'm going to stick with you. The Bible said there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And I want to be that friend that sticks closer to a brother and help them get through this instead of being, you know, pointing the finger and being judgmental and being critical. That's one of the things that I can say about you folks right here. People tell me time and time again that when they walk through these doors right here, they do not feel judgment or condemnation because of what's going on in their life. Amen? And that's a tribute to you. I think, you know, God's working through you. Amen. Amen.
Um, all right, so I'm going to stop right there, and uh, I'm going to share something with you. Um, oh, God, give me the words. Uh, so some of you will remember, how many of you do not know the story of my ATV accident. I had a wreck on an ATV. Just raise your hands if you have not heard that story. Okay, quite a few of you. So let me, I just said, that's where I'll start. Last August, uh, I had a wreck on an ATV. Uh, we were up at our ranch in Angel Fire, and uh, we were doing some survey work, and I was looking behind me to see if the surveyor was with me on his ATV, and he was way back, and I was driving way too fast, and I drove off uh, the side of a cliff. And uh, I, you know, when I landed, uh, I was in a lot of pain. I had a broken vertebrae. I didn't know this at the time. A broken vertebrae in my back. I had four lacerated, uh, three or four lacerated uh, or uh, broke, fractured ribs. I had a punctured lung, and I had a lacerated liver. And I was in bad shape. And while I looked good, well, I mean, there was not, I, I didn't have a scratch on me. I mean, while I looked good on the outside, if you were just standing there looking at me, except for the pain and the writhing on my face, you might think that, you know, that everything was okay. But uh, bottom line is I got to the hospital. Uh, they had to air vac me to the hospital and uh, made an incredible recovery thanks to you and, you know, all of your prayers. But um, about, I had, you know, an MRI done and a CAT scan and about a month later, uh, the doctors ordered another one. I think that was, I got one in August. I think I got another one in October, got one in December. And finally in December, the doctor was saying, you know, there's something, you know, that we're seeing on your liver that we don't like. Um, you know, initially we thought it was a scar from the laceration. And um, so in January, they did another uh, a CAT scan. And um, the doctor said there's a tumor there. They did a biopsy and it's cancer. And so, um, <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. Um, so you don't have a whole lot of options, uh, and I didn't have a whole, uh, and I don't have a whole lot of options. Uh, you have a couple of options. You know, number one is that the bottom line is that I have to have a liver transplant. Okay. Um, I went in for a. Um, a procedure, I think in March or April, where they tried to kill the tumor itself. Uh, it did not kill it. I just got a report uh, yesterday from the doctor saying it didn't kill it all. They asked me to come back up. Um, and I've only told a handful of people this. Uh, I, I you know, told our, our leadership, um, and I didn't want to tell you, number one, I, you know, uh, I, told, I told my family and our leadership about 10 minutes apart, okay? I went from telling the family to telling our leadership. I didn't want to, you know, dump this on you because I didn't really have a whole lot to say and I didn't know a whole lot. Um, and so um, I had the procedure done in, in, um, in March where they did a chemo a treatment, didn't kill everything. They asked me to come back. Um, and so here's, you have two options. You get on a, uh, on, on a list, a waiting list where you're waiting for someone to die or someone that is brain dead, uh, that has your blood type. Uh, my blood type is a B positive. Uh, so you're waiting for someone to, to die that you can, and if you're high enough up on the list, if you're too healthy, 
you can't get the transplant. If you're too sick, you can't get the transplant. You, there's a, a small window there. But the other option was that if you can find a live donor, uh, then they will you know, just go ahead and do the transplant that way. And so uh, with just a few people that I, that I talked to about this, I had three people that came forward and said they would uh, be a live donor for me. Uh, two of those, it wouldn't work out because, I mean, the criteria is so strict. Uh, size, uh, you know, uh, it can't be somebody smaller than you, can't be someone taller than you, it has to be about the same size. So uh, right now we have one person, I have one person that is a, uh, like a primary candidate and we won't know until the end of the week uh, if that's going to happen. But if that happens, uh, when I uh, spoke to the uh, nurse, I just said, well, look, you know, do you want me to come back and get the second procedure and try to kill the rest of the tumor? Or would you prefer to just go ahead and do the transplant? They called back about an hour later and said, look, the doctor said, let's just go ahead with the transplant. So that's where we are. I'm, I'm just, you know, I, I, I want to say this to all of you that, um, that I, you know, you remember when Jesus was walking to the cross and, and the women were weeping and wailing and, and he says, uh, daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me. And, and I would just say the same thing to you. Please, you know, I, I, I don't tell you this so that you worry or you're fearful or you're afraid, uh, because I'm not. Um, I almost died on that ATV accident. And God has given me such an incredible peace that, about this that honestly, that I, I have to pinch myself and ask myself, are you in denial about what's really going on in your life? Because I have, I, I have over, overwhelming peace. I mean, I can look death in the face and, you know, and, and not even blink. Uh, I am not afraid to die. Um, I feel like, you know, I have, Paul says, I've lived a good life. Uh, I have a good conscience between God and I have a good conscience uh, between mankind. And so I'm not sure, you know, I will keep you as informed as I can uh, as I get information. Uh, you know, I just ask that you pray for me, uh, pray for my family. It's been, it's been difficult for them, uh, you know, going through this. Uh, but I will, and I know they hate for me to say this. They hate for me to say this. But I would say this, and I can say this, you know, before God and you right now. If my life was over tomorrow, I would say that I've been the most blessed man that's ever walked the face of this earth. Honestly. I have, I have, honestly, I, I, I've lived a great, great life. I, I have a great wife. I have great children, great grandchildren. Um, I, I, I'm honored and just absolutely privileged to speak to you every Sunday morning. People that I deeply love and care for. And, and uh, my concern, you know, when I pray, um, Praying for myself is the last thing on my list. I mean, I pray for you. I pray for my family. I pray for, the, you know, our nation. And then, you know, sometimes I'll put a P.S. Lord, by the way, you know, I've got this problem. And, you know, uh, I just give it to you. Because I, you know, I absolutely, I, I'm, I don't stay up at night. I'm not concerned about it. I have absolute peace about this. So uh, thank you for taking the time to listen to me this morning. I will keep you, I'll keep you posted. Is there something I... Should add to that, or because I usually get home and say, "Why didn't I say that?" <laughs> um, 
All right, well, we're going to come around to the table of the Lord. We're going to take communion, and then we're going to go and enjoy some good food, and we're not going to cry, and we're not going to worry, and we're going to enjoy ourselves, right? Huh? Okay, prayer ministry, all right. Uh, if you want to, you know, um, if, if the Lord spoke to you something about, you know, that in that soul area or any kind of healing, our prayer ministers are going to be along this wall over here and in the corner. And if you, want to, if you want to pray with somebody before you take communion, I want to encourage you, uh, uh, deacons and elders and those that are available, uh, prayer ministers, if you guys would just kind of head to the corner, there may be somebody that just wants to pray and get something off of their, uh, you know, just off of their heart, you know, before you partake in, in communion. And, and before...